got, we've got five, uh, five segments that we focus on when we're looking at the scent of the house. And, um, and may I say to you, I am so, so grateful um, just for the way that you all have welcomed me um, and Pastor Pam. Um, she's actually in, um, serving in Philadelphia this morning at Christ Community. Um, but for, for years, I mean, uh, for these last five months, you guys have just made me feel, both of us together, feel so valuable. And I want you to know I appreciate it. Um, but the thing that I appreciate even more than the welcoming and the affirmation has been the way you have been grabbing a hold of this scent of the house teaching. Um, I see it. It's just, it's, man, it is so, so wonderful. Um, and um, we've been doing some additional teaching on Sunday mornings at 930 uh, regarding membership and what it looks like to be a member and whether you're a member or you want to check out what it's like to be a member uh, here at High Street Worship, I invite you, please, um, please uh, stop down, get, the, get more details on our statement. Um, in fact, our, you know, that's a good place to, to scream out our mission statement. So anybody who's been coming on, uh, on Sunday morning down in our, our membership uh, expressions, Let's say it as loud as we can on four. When I get to four, we're gonna we're gonna scream it. I like to switch it up. You know, most of the time everybody says on three. So let's do it on four. On four, if you know it, um, scream out our mission statement. One, two, three. F there it is. Whoa. Okay. All right. One, two, three, four. High Street Worship Center exists to bring people to Jesus and membership in his family, to develop them to Christ-like maturity and equip them for their ministry in the church and life mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. Good place to clap. Good place to clap. Woo! That's it. That's who we are. That's what we do. And so uh, membership uh, and that next phase is maturity. We're going to equip. We're going to grow you up. Um, the next uh, place is ministry. Um, we want to, um, you know, help you to find out, you know, who you are and who you're wired to be, what God is giftings and callings and all those things. But the core of it is ministry is meeting needs with love. So everybody can be a minister. Everybody can be a minister. And everybody is a 10 in some area. And just because you're a 10 in one area doesn't mean it's my area. That's why I just like the body, just like the body, we have different parts and different members, but we all do it to honor God. So membership, maturity, um, ministry, um, and then mission. That means that we're, there are things that we do in the church, but then we've got a life mission. Like I was saying earlier, when you leave here today, you know, everywhere you go, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And we get to live in front of people. And, and, and whether it's in entertainment or in education or family or, you know, going to the market, wherever you go, your street, where you live on, you get a chance. You get a chance to live in such a way where the Holy Spirit can use you as either seed or water, um, ultimately to give an increase to see the Father's love and come in relationship with him. Um, and ultimately, uh, that last one is magnify. So you have membership, 
ministry, you got membership, maturity, ministry, missions, and magnify. Everything we do is to magnify our great God. And being a member here at High Street Worship Center is not being part of a club. It's not. It's part of the family of God. So we're a family, we're a fellowship, um, and we're, we're a church or we're a congregation. And so I invite you to come down uh, on Sunday mornings at 930, hear a little bit more about that, but also um, please feel what God is calling us to do. And, um, and the beauty of it is you guys are already living it out. You're living it out. Look at somebody and say, I'm so glad to serve on Sundays here with you. Now say to somebody else on the other side, we get to worship God together. <laughs> it's good. We used to worship God together. You know, it's really cool that um, I, you know, Pastor Paul and I, you know, we still communicate wonderfully. And um, last week we were, we, were, um, we were emailing and texting back and forth. And then this morning he sent me something. And it just, it just hit my heart. He says, he says, actually it was yesterday. He said, uh, he says, Terry, I don't know if you realize that today, and this is yesterday, June the 10th, marks 50 years to the day that this building was built. 1973, June the 10th. And when you leave today, if you go outside and you look on the side of the building, you will see June 10th. 1973, 50 years ago, 50 years ago. You know, during the pandemic, there's so many, and this is all over, the, all over the nation, the world really, but especially in the nation, there are so many churches that closed down. There's so many pastors that, that weren't able to make it through because a lot happened with the pandemic. Um, when people stopped um, gathering, they never did make it back. Um, and in the meantime, you know, whether it's through finances or encouragement, there's a lot that happened in congregations and they didn't make it. But we are so grateful that High Street Worship Center is still going and it is going strong. So we put our hands together. Come on, y'all, give it up for High Street Worship Center. It's still going strong. 50 years, 50 years is a long, it's a long time. It's a long time. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Father, we pause and we pray. We pray for those pastors and leaders, elders, congregations that are even now still finding it very challenging to continue. We pray a spirit of peace, life, encouragement over them. Those that are in this region, in the tri-state area, but also nationally and worldwide. Father, may your spirit flow even on a day like today Pastors are struggling, struggling to open the doors back up, struggling to get people to come back and to fellowship. Those whose doors are under attack of closing forever, 
Father, we pray for them right now. Together, for those of us here who have experienced your blessing and your grace of being open, we have freely received, and so we freely give out. We pray right now. We pray right now for resources. We pray, Father, for strength. We pray, Father, for encouragement. We pray, Father, for unity in those congregations that are experiencing disunity. For whatever reason, we pray your grace to flow now, now. Everyone say now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That was a, a, a very simple um, exercise on how what you have been blessed with, how to quickly turn and think about those who maybe are challenged. And it's not just with the congregation. There are things that happen in family. Do you know of what's happening on your street even? There are those who live on your street. There are those in your neighborhood. There are those in your job who are experiencing some things. Let's be sensitive to the fact that as Jesus said, freely we have received, freely we give, and we bless, and we always look to, be, to bring light into dark places. You all received that? Okay, so um, those, five, those five areas that we've been focusing on as it relates to the scent of the house, Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I try and live by that same thing. And so follow me. As long as I am following Christ, follow me. If I'm not following Christ, and I say this while I have a clear head, you know, God forbid something should happen in my life and I'm not thinking clearly. You know, we are all one decision away from a scandal. One bad decision away from something crazy, right? And so I, I pray that I walk in a way that's honoring before the Lord. And for all of you, take on that same model because leaders, you know, leaders really it's influence. And for a Christian leaders, just influence for God. So you don't need a podium to be behind to consider yourself a leader. But know this, leaders, leaders, they know the way. Leaders, they show the way. But leaders themselves should also go the way. Leaders know the way. They show the way. But they themselves, we ourselves, should be modeling it. And so for me, I always covet your prayers. And I say that from a posture of humility because, you know, no one has it all going on. And we shouldn't allow longevity, time served, giftings, um, titles, any of those things to make us think that nothing could happen. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans, it says, take heed lest while you think you're standing, you fall. You fall. And so it's important for us to follow Christ um, and then have others follow us. And so I say that, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's really what catching the scent of the house is. I want to follow the leader that's laying it down um, from the heart of, of the Father, through the Holy Spirit, what Jesus, what Jesus has for 
his church. And so there are some things specifically that we look at when we talk about catching the scent of the house. Number one, it's love. It's love. It's that God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. We love God and we love people. We love God and we love all people. And as it says in, as it says in Matthew chapter 22, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And one guy, when he wanted to qualify that love your neighbor piece, asked Jesus right away, well, then, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And I want you to know, everyone is your neighbor. And it's not just those who look like you and sound like you. It's not just those who um, are of the same ethnicity or culture. Everyone. Everyone falls into that category. And so Jesus, in, a, in an effort to explain that, he told a story called The Good Samaritan, we title it. And it's that a guy was traveling um, down, um, uh, down the road from Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And they beat him up, they robbed him, and they left him brutally beaten, left for dead. And then it says that a priest came by, looked at him, and passed on the other side. And then the assistant to the priest, he came and looked at him in his state of being badly beaten, robbed, and left for dead, and he passed by too on the other side. He didn't stay long. But then it says this despised Samaritan. In other words, here is someone who was supposed to be, who was considered an enemy to that race. The Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. They were enemies and generationally and for all time. And he looked at him. But unlike those who looked like this Jew, this Samaritan looked long enough and listened long enough until compassion built up on the inside. And then he took out of his bag oil and bandaged up his wounds. In mercy, he put him on his own animal. He took him to an inn and he took care of him. And then when he had to leave town, he told the innkeeper, please continue to nurse him back to health, and here is resources to help him. So he gave him his own money. And he says, when I come back, whatever you have spent over and above what I gave you, I'll make sure that I cover that too. Jesus then says to the listeners, but especially to this guy who was qualifying with a question, who's my neighbor? He says, now, which one of these guys, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan was a neighbor? And the guy quickly said, the one who showed him mercy. That should be the description of everyone here in this house. And the reason for the last since, since March the 11th, since March, March the 11th, March the 12th, maybe it's the 12th, um, Pastor Paul and Pastor Kathy, they, um, they 
were promoted, <laughs> if you will, um, and not retired, but refired into the next level of what God's called them to do. And that was on March the 5th. That very next week, we started to talk about this. So we've been talking March, April, May, June. We've been talking for the last 90 days about love. God-given abil ability to view another as valuable and precious. And just like the structure of this edifice where the roots go so deep that it lasts for 50 years, we want the scent of this house to be so vibrant, to be so saturated with the love of God that no matter who walks into this place, they sense God's grace. They sense God's love. They feel like they are significant to God because those who represent God in this house are giving off that aroma. That's how it ought to be. So we spend all of this time on purpose going over and over and over. You know, the, Bruni, who is the um, admin for the house, in fact, just for a moment, just for a moment, will you take some time and honor Bruni Serrano, who got, stand up, Bruni. Stand up, Bruni. You guys honor, honor her. She makes this house go. <laughs> I'm probably going to pay for that later, but she asked me, she asked me, you know, what are the notes that you want given out? And I said, it's the same thing as last week because repetition is the way of learning. I'm not that guy that comes with, and, and everybody's different. Everybody's wired different, but I'm not wired to give just another cool, fresh message every week. There are some who are gifted at that, who are called to that. That's not me. I'm called to lay down vision and to pastor this house in such a way where you get it and where you get it to where you can teach it and where the aroma comes out of you, not just when you're at this temple, but also the temple at the place where you live on your street and wherever you serve throughout the week. And so this love, this unity thing, oh man, unity. St. John 17 says, this is Jesus praying the prayer. This is his final, his final prayers that he's praying before he goes for crucifixion and then ultimately leaves the planet. He says, Father, I pray that they may be one. I pray that they may be one just like you and I are one. I pray that they may be one, that they may be one in us. I pray that they may be one, that the world may believe that you sent me. All of those ones, all of those ones. I was, I was wonderfully approached by um, our, our brother, who he and his wife, Deb, who have been members here for years, and that's Bob Harford. And he's an amazing, uh, you know, craftsman, and he does great woodworking. And he put and it's on my desk in my office, St. John 17, carved out in wood. Father, make them one, make them one, make them one. Five times in two verses, Jesus says, make them one. 
And so the aroma and the scent of the house is, how do we get tight and how do we protect ourselves from those enemies of oneness? What are the enemies to oneness? Selfishness. So instead of being selfish, we want to be selfless. Selfishness. Isolation. We need to be around each other. That's why we gather on Sundays. That's why we make gathering a priority. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, the apostle Paul says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together like the manner of some. Some don't do it. And for whatever reason, and it's not to wave an accusing finger, it's just to say we've got to highlight being around each other. So enemies, selfishness, isolation, and then what I term as a relationship killer, assumption. It's an enemy. And so what do we do? We talk to each other. I don't let the devil talk more to you about me than me. I want to make sure you hear from me. I love you. I care about you. Just in case on an effort, you know, in an effort to meet someone who might be leaving the building fast and I'm, I'm, I got to get to them and then somebody's reaching out their hand. Say, hey, God bless you, Pastor. And I don't see them. But I'm trying to get to this other person because I'm human. I miss that person. And so I come back and I'm always trying to make sure that I communicate. Why? Because I don't want assumption to mess up our relationships. And without, the, without fixing that and, 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 um, and feeding into that, 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 um, that antidote of it, the enemy can end up messing us up because you can look at a mannerism. You can look at the way somebody's dressed. You can look at the way someone walks in and think, look at them. They think they're somebody or look at them. I thought they were this or look at that. And that's what the enemy is doing. And that's why we fast. We fast food around here to become more spiritual. So maybe once or twice a week, it'll be good for you to fast so that you can hear more in the spirit than in your flesh. We take fasting and we say, I'm going to deprive my body so that my body is not the loudest voice. Sprite had a campaign years ago called Obey Your Thirst. He says, whatever you feel like doing, just do it. But we have to make sure that we keep our flesh silent. But there's another fast that we work on, and this fast is called a CGA fast. In an effort to be very unified, the CGA fast is where we fast complaining, we fast gossip, and we fast accusation. Everybody say that. Complaining, Complaining. Gossip, gossip, accusation. And that gossip piece has a little cousin. It's gossip and slander. What is gossip's definition? I'm not part of the problem or the solution, yet I'm talking about it. Slander is I'm talking about someone with the intent to injure them. So I'm injuring their name, their reputation, their character, their credibility. 
And so in an effort to be one, we have to make sure we fast complaining, fast gossip, fast accusation. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. He stands all day long accusing us to God. And so he has his little minions and his little imps that accuse us to each other. So I want to fast that. Now, as always, when you fast food, you replace food with time with God, time reading scripture, time in prayer, things of God, so that you're now mis um, you're more sensitive spiritually. Well, when it comes to the CGA fast, fast complaining, gossip, accusation, you also want there to be a replacement. So instead of complaining, you're thankful. Wow, that's so good. Instead of complaining about someone and something, you want to be thankful. Father, I'm so thankful. I told you last week, you know, when my son was young, you know, um, and he lost his keys, to, you know, to the car. And I could have been so angry. And, and I was on my way to being frustrated and complaining. And the Holy Spirit says, be thankful that you have a son. Man, that kind of thing catches me every time. I'm so grateful. It's an antidote to complaining. Who is in your life that sometimes does some things where you could be quick to complain that you can replace it and say, Lord, I want to be thankful. I'm thankful. You know, instead of complaining about people who are in the house, you know, even Pastor Terry. I mean, how many times is he going to wear that blue jacket? Just be thankful. <laughs> you know, how come he can't preach like this? Or how come he doesn't this? A bit? Look, I have no problem, you know, me getting on the, in the woodshed. You know, I use myself as an example. But there are a host of people that are in your life, and there are a host of people that are in this house that you can complain against. So in an effort to be unified, let's make sure we don't complain, but be thankful, be thankful. Um, uh, the gossip, the gossip piece. Remember, find, you know, if, if, two things. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. That's cool, but there are times you need to say something. Just make sure you say something good. It, it gives it in Ephesians 4.28. It says, let, no, don't let any unwholesome talk ever come out of your mouth. And then he says, this is what you should say. Things that are good for building others up that you may minister grace to the hearer. And so in, in order to practice that kind of thing, that's why I'm always, I'm always telling you, look at somebody and say this to them, say that to them. Say how beautiful they are, how wonderful they look. Do that right now. And this is not to set up for a date, okay? This is not set up for a date. But look at somebody and say, you look amazing. You are so attractive. And I love being around you. <laughs> so, so do you see how that, you see how that happens? So that's why we practice that. That's why we practice that. You know, so don't, don't be that person that says, oh, Lord, here go Pastor Terry again. Turn to your neighbor. You know? <laughs> There's a method. There's a method. And it helps the unity in the house. I feel so bad for people who can walk in and out and no one ever says anything to them. 
So they come in lonely and they leave lonely. They come in broken and they leave broken. They come in depressed and they leave depressed. Why? There's not another to help. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. Because if one falls down, the other is there. And then if one gets overtaken um, in terms of somebody trying to come and hurt them, speaking specifically of spiritual wickedness, now you got somebody else who can fight. You know, I, I, pray, I pray that if anybody ever tries to roll on me, you know, I got somebody like Edwin, it's like, yo, PT, I'm here with you. You know, or my new friend Joe, you know, I met Joe, you know, it's as if he comes stand next to me, he's like, yo, yo, you're not going, this ain't going to happen here. But imagine spiritually if we are there together. We're better together. We have to make sure we take care of each other. So, so that, that, um, that CGA piece of, of gossip and, and um, of complaining, of gossip and slander, um, and then accusation, we gotta make sure we, we stay tight. We stay tight, we stay tight. And I'm gonna push you on that. And make sure that it's in every age group. So you encourage the older on purpose. You encourage the younger on purpose because it may not come naturally to you. You may just gravitate to a certain group. Go outside your race on purpose. I appreciate the diversity here. Go outside your race. And then go outside your denomination wiring. You know, when we got together a few weeks ago in Pennsylvania at the convention center from New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania, we had all kinds of denominations that were there. And you saw everything. You saw people sitting quietly and praying. You saw people walking around and praying. You saw people kneeling and praying. You saw people with flags and dancing and doing all kinds of stuff. There's diversity in it. And that's the beauty that I love that happens here at High Street Worship, and we have to continue it. So we've got love, we've got unity, we've got the Word of God. Man, the Word of God, it's got to be primary. That means you have to read your Bible. I got, is it four of them? Four of y'all say amen? amen. <laughs> say it again. Let's read our Bible. Yeah. And I'm not an amen guy, so I don't want you to think that pastor got to say amen. No. But, man, when it comes to the Bible, I heard one guy say years ago, I think I heard this first when I was like in my 20s. He says, he says we feed our bodies three hot meals a day, but we give our spirits a cold snack. And it's supposed to, I just want you to highlight now, it doesn't mean you have to go cover to cover and all that. And if you want to read through the Bible, I'm sure there are so many Bible reading programs that are out there. And it would be good for you to have some quantity, you know, and read through. But um, start off for quality, you know. Take, take 15 minutes a day and say, I'm going to read the Bible, you know. You know, so get into those red letters, you know. Start off with the Gospels. Find out what Jesus said. 
Look at the book of Proverbs, where a chapter a day, I took my sons um, when they were teenagers, I took them through the book of Proverbs one summer. I said, look guys, we're gonna read, we're gonna read a chapter out of the book of Proverbs every day in July. There were 31 days. We said, we're gonna read, we're gonna read a chapter a day. Because so much in Proverbs is wisdom, and wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get wisdom get some understanding. And so this guy said about his sons, hey, my son, attend to my word. My son, watch out for this. My son, my son, my son. And so I took my son through that. And you could do that with your children, but let it also be something for your life. Remember, leaders know the way, they show the way, but they also go the way. So read your Bible. And I'm not putting you on this big thing where it's about performance and you read just for performance, just for performance. You know, I met with God this morning. I, I read my Bible. I know I'm right. No, no. You're reading it because this is the heart of the Father. And we're in a romance relationship with him. And so, Scripture. And Scripture, it also shows you um, what's wrong. It shows you what's right. It shows you, if you're wrong, how to get right. It shows you how to stay right. Now, it's not for the purpose of going around and waving your finger at people who are off. It's just to be able to have something that the Holy Spirit can use. When you are loving people, you've got a framework now, and you don't have to go and quote scripture and verse. You have the heart of the Father in you and not necessarily just the letter of the law. Does that make sense? Sometimes we go and quote, 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 but we never really catch the scent of heaven. And we want to make sure that we get why he's saying what he's saying. So love, unity, the word of God. And then humility. We spent some time talking on humility. Humility, man. Humility. How, what did Pastor Pam say? Humility. Uh, she was quoting um, uh, Andrew Murray. And again, that's a great book if you want to get solid in humility. It's just a book. Um, I've been giving it out to um, leaders for years. And um, because that's the first step. This first step, um, humility, humility. Clothe yourself. Put it on like an apron. Um, but uh, Pastor Pam was quoting um, Andrew Murray. He said that uh, humility is the soil from which all the other fruits of the Spirit grow. It's the soil. It's the soil. In other words, if you're not getting low and under the mission of heaven, you won't even accept what God has to say. So humility. Humility puts others first. Humility doesn't say, I'm nothing, I'm just a dog, I'm just low down nothing, you know. No. Humility just says, I want to honor you before me. I think about myself less. I think about you more, starting with thinking about heaven first. He said, well, how do I get confidence and how do I get esteem? Um, I was talking with the guy the other day and I said to him, wow, you are really good at what you do. And he says, oh, no, he's a worship leader. I met him on Friday and we had this leaders gathering and I found out he also leads worship. I said, man, so amazing what you do. And uh, I would have never known. And he says, yeah, that's because I don't talk about myself. I said, right, let another man praise you. And so allow me to praise you and what you're doing. And some people don't know how to receive encouragement. Some people say, oh, no, you know, great job. Oh, no, it was Jesus. No, if it was Jesus, it would have been a whole lot better than what you did. <laughs> I mean, think about it. <laughs> think about that. 
But I understand the point. The point is you're, st you're trying not to take credit for that. And so I've learned how to say, when people say, oh, man, great job preaching or great job singing or great job whatever, my statement is, thank you for trying to encourage me. I really appreciate the encouragement. You know, but God is the one that helped me to do that. So, and so being able to be balanced. Don't go all the way to the end and say, no, not me. I'm just a dog. You know, I, I used to watch, a, a, when I was a little boy, I used to watch the, the, um, the organist, the organist. And they'd have a big concert, and then the pastor would, would acknowledge everybody that was in the room. And he'd say, oh, and Sister Smith, didn't she do a good job? And you, I looked out, and this was a little boy. I thought something was wrong, because I look over at Sister Smith, and she's like, mm. I'm like, what happened? He's just talking about what a great job you did, you know? But then we can learn that, and that ends up being the culture. Um, but it's good to celebrate people as long as we're not worshiping people. And it's good to appreciate even the gifts that God has given you as long as people know that the gift came from God. Thank you for encouraging me. That's a balance where humility is, because sometimes we live in false humility where we, don't, we say, oh, no, 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 I don't need anybody to say anything about me. But then you leave and you talk to your friends, like, what's wrong? You see what happened in there? I did all that, and nobody say a word. Nobody say anything at all good about me. So let's not live in false humility, all right? Just say thank you. You know, look at somebody and say, I really appreciate you. Now say thank you. Thank you. All right? And then practice that at home. Practice it, at, practice it at home. Love, unity, the word of God, humility, and then Holy Spirit. We spent some time opening up Holy Spirit last week. Um, uh, let's go quickly to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I want to read a few passages out of this so that you see the design of Holy Spirit. Um, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I thought Julie did an amazing job this morning reading from 1 John about love. You can tell that we are of God. Excuse me. You can tell that we are of God because we have love one for another. You know, not that we started off loving God. God loved us first, and then we responded to him. But love is key. Love is key. And love is an indicator that the Holy Spirit is there. Now, I want you to understand, love is not the touchy-feely thing. I'm not talking about feelings now. Feelings are good, and they have their place. But love is a decision that we make. For God so loved the world that he did something. It was a choice. It was a choice. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so when we look at the Holy Spirit, we have to look at it from a standpoint of decisions, decisions, choices that look like God's choices. But his spirit will connect with another person in their spirit that we're the children of God. You can't just wake up and say, hey, I'm a child of God. You may be a child of God in that you were created by God, but in order to be a son or a daughter of the Spirit of God, the power of God, Jehovah God, you must be born again. And that is born again of the Spirit. 
Not your body being born again. I was born in 1963 in Philadelphia at Children's Hospital by George and Georgia Davis. I'm the youngest of five that was born to them. But when I turned 11 years old, I got born again. And this time, I was born of God by faith in the operation of God, which was God sending Jesus to be the sacrifice for my sin. And because of his punishment, I get to have peace with God. And so I'm a son. I'm a son, but I wasn't born of God in the flesh. I was born of God in the spirit. So if you get rid of all of the house and the body and nothing's remaining, nothing's remaining but my spirit, my spirit looks just like God. My spirit looks like my big brother, who is also my king and Lord of all, Jesus. The only difference between my spirit and Jesus' spirit is just a whole lot more growth and development. But my spirit looks just like him. And I didn't earn it. So I can't walk around and another person and say, I've got a better spirit than you got. No. We were, what is uh, Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon says this about uh, 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 Christianity. He says, Christianity is one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. That's all I am. But my spirit looks like God. Who in here is born again? Hold your hand up as high as you can. Now, that means your spirit looks like everybody else's spirit in here. Everybody else's spirit. And more importantly, your spirit looks like God. And I, was in my, I was in my 20s when I found out the difference between God the Father and God the Judge. Because I heard about God the judge. Oh, in fact, I got born again so many times. <laughs> I thought I did. Because every time, all through my teenage years, every time I did something wrong, and the pastor made an altar call, and that's when they had the altar call at the church I grew up with, where you come forward, just like, you know, Billy Graham. The choir would sing the song, just as I am. Or they went into this other song by this guy named James Cleveland back in the, the 70s and the 80s. There is room at the cross for you. And then people would walk out. And every time, I got born again at 11, but trust me, all through my teenage years, anything happened in a week, I said something, I did something. Something, something happened. Pastor make the altar call. I'm going up. I'm walking down the aisle. It wasn't until it wasn't until I was 20, and then 21, 22, 23, that I started learning about the Father's love. And He's the God of love, and so He's a love Father that had me. So my DNA looks like Him in the spirit. Now, did I need to grow? Yeah, I need to grow. I need to grow. And that's what we're going we're gonna to get into this a little bit on Wednesday and, and next Sunday. When we grow, our spirits have to grow. And we grow through the word of God. We grow from being around others who are bigger than us. We grow through obedience. Every act of obedience takes you to another place in God. You can write that down if you want. That's not part of the notes or anything. Every act of obedience takes you to another place of growth. It doesn't take you to another place of acceptance. I got to qualify that. It takes you to another place of growth. Sometimes we feel like when we obey, we're more accepted of God. No, the blood of Jesus Christ made you accepted. 
He and his finished work made you accept it. There is nothing you can do to become more acceptable to God. It was all through Jesus. It's all through Jesus. You know, I think it's Israel Holton wrote a song, Jesus at the center of, of it all. You know, from beginning to the end, it'll always be, it's always been Jesus. Jesus. But our obedience can make us more refined. That's what it says in the book of James, the first chapter. You know, he allows certain things to try us. The tempter comes to try us, to tempt us. And each level of obedience takes us to another place of growth and development. So what do you look like? You may have been a Christian for years and years and years, but what's your growth and development look like? I want to keep on growing. I want to keep saying yes. And that's not something that I've just got the power to do on my own. It has to happen through Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Wave at me if that made sense. Yeah? Okay. So, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage to fear. All right? So he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. That's another passage of Scripture. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So when that fear, when that, because it says fear leads to torment, And so when I got born again, it wasn't so that I could live in torment. And for some, based on whoever coached you or whoever discipled you, maybe that was their wiring, that was how they learned, that was how they grew, and then you come up under that, and it ends up being a bondage thing. Whenever you go to God, even if you missed it, even if you blew it, you know God says, come now, let's reason together. If your sins are are messed up, I'll make them white as snow. They may be red like crimson. I'll make them like wool. So the father doesn't want you running away when something happens. He doesn't want you to get comfortable serving that because that leads to bondage. The reason God hates sin isn't because he's mad at you. He's not mad at you. God hates sin because it binds. It maims. It mars lives. It separates. And Jesus went through that whole separation so we wouldn't have to. And sometimes we get into certain things and we, we, we're fearful. And then we put that on our children. We get that on our children. We have to be careful about that. If our kids do something wrong, go to your room. You don't want to flow in that. And I'm not trying to teach parents how to parent. I'm not trying to go down that street in that regard. I'm just trying to let you know that the things that you do position your children to see God well or not. And so anytime as a father or a mother, those who are representing Father God, when our children get off, if you send them away, then they're going to think when they come to that level of accountability and being able to talk to God on their own, they do something, they run away from God. That is a... The problem with Adam is that he went from being a son now to having to fend for himself. He had to fight for himself. And we don't want our kids to have to fight for themselves. But sometimes the best start of that is us learning how God sees us as a son and as a daughter. 
You're a son. You're a daughter. You do not have to run away from God. You do not have to run away from him. He wants you close to him. He says, I will never turn you away. I'll never cast you out. I love you. Now, the enemy will come with the fear and the bondage and the accusation. He says, yeah, but trust me, if you do something wrong, oh, God's mad at you. Oh, you're going to get it. And he uses that for the religious mind that says it's all about performance. That's why in the old days, I shared this with you in the Old Testament, they come up in the, in the presence of all these people when they're, you know, feeling, you know, unworthiness or feeling bad, and they, they'd come, oh, God, and then they'd rip their clothes. Well, Jesus walked up and he said, stop ripping your clothes, rip your heart. Rip your heart. Because God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So let your heart be the part that changes, but not this fear thing and not this performance. Once again, did that make sense? If it made sense, wave at me. Some of you are waving. Okay, good, good, good. I got enough. I got enough. You have not, verse 15, you have not received the spirit again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Adoption. I have been adopted by him. I've been grafted in. I've been grafted in whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, or Papa. Can you call him that? They got upset with Jesus because Jesus was wrong. They said, do you listen to him? He's calling God his Father. Yeah, he's my dad. He's my Papa. I love him. You know, if he were here, I'd be on his knee. I'd, my head would be on his shoulder. I'd let him be. He'd tell me, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, and I'm not talking about this from an ego standpoint. But, oh, to have the father say, I'm proud of you. And that's not always by performance. Because remember, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but his mercy saved us. Now, there are levels where we become more like him. We're transformed into his image. But when he looks at me, you know who he sees? He sees Jesus. Jesus took my coat, and my coat had all kinds of stuff on it. But he took my coat, and then he gave me his coat. So I get to put on his robe of righteousness, right standing with the Father. And then, as believers, we get to go and live just like him. That's why we say what Jesus said when people do crazy things to us. Um, like when he was on the cross, the first words that he said, all night being beat, all night, everybody left him all night, crowned the thorns into his skull, dazed him, stretched his arms out of socket, ripped his flesh off, pulled his beard out to the flesh, came out with it. First thing he says, Father, forgive them. They don't get it. And so we've been given that same spirit. When, when he was raised up from the dead and he was around all these guys, he said, receive the spirit of God. And then you know the first thing he said to them? Hey, whoever sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. And whichever ones you don't, they won't. Wow. Wow. Stephen got it. 
So here's Stephen being stoned, being stoned, big boulders stoning him, hitting him in his eye, hitting him in his back, hitting him in his leg, hitting him his, all over. And there he is about to die. He's been beat that bad with these boulders, these stones. And he looks up and he says, Father, lay it not to their charge. You're talking about somebody who has the spirit of God in them. And the Bible says at that moment, he looked and he saw Jesus. Normally, Jesus' position when he ascended up to heaven, Jesus' position is seated on the right hand of the Father. Yet, because of Stephen's act of humility and love, it says when he looked up, he saw Jesus, but Jesus wasn't sitting on the right hand of the Father. Jesus was standing up. I want to make Jesus stand up with my act of obedience. I want to love in such a way where it makes Jesus stand up and say, now you look like me. We have a chance in our nation to withhold forgiveness. But oh, how cool would it be for us to say, Father, forgive them. Their eyes are blind. They don't get it. Our, on our jobs, on our neighbors, people in government, other races, Family members? Wow. Pastor, I can't say that. I ain't Jesus. You got to be able to be identified by the Spirit of God. That makes sense? All right, let's wrap this up. Spirit itself, verse 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our newborn spirit that we are the children of God. And if you do the math there, verse 17, it's talking about math now. It says, all right, do the math. If children, then heirs. And if heirs, heirs of God. And joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Last verse I'll share with you, verse 20, chapter 20 of Proverbs. Proverbs 20, 27. I gave this to you last week. I want you to get it again this week. Proverbs 20, 27. Please, please get this down. The spirit, everybody say it together. On two, on two. One, two. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Where's Stephen at? Stephen, raise your hand, Stephen. In fact, stand up for a minute, Stephen. Were you guys blessed by this worship leader leading us into the heart of the Father this morning? Man, we honor you. Thank you for what you do. Stephen, Stephen was singing, saying something this morning. He sat there. He, he played. Worship team was joining. Where's our worship team? Or worship team. Stand up, Deb. Stand up, Deb. Stand up, Deb in the back. We got another Deborah over here. We honor you. Natalie, Natalie's down there with the kids. We honor you for the way you led us in worship. You led us in worship. We bless you. Uh, Natalie is down working with the kids. We got to give her a break now, all right? She's worked. She did work up here, and then she went down to the kids. So let's give, let's give her a break. Who? Oh, and Dino. Get up, Dino. Dino on the percussion. Yes, yes, yes. Sit, stand up, Dino. Stand up, Dino. Uh, this man is a 
This man is a gift. And the Spirit of God is so strong in his life. I, um, I just want to publicly say that. And I acknowledge the heart of the Father that rests on you. You look like Jesus. You look like Jesus. I bless you. Did you hear what he said? He said, thank you for the encouragement. All right? <laughs> He's learning quick. Um, but when Stephen was playing, at some point he says, and I'm going to read a scripture. And he says, whoever's thirsty, let him come to me. And out of his innermost being, one translation says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But then he says, they didn't realize it, but he was speaking about the Spirit. So let's look at that passage again, Proverbs 20, 27. It says, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. If this had been written in modern, it would say, the Spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord. He illuminates and communicates in our spirit. Now, I want to give you a homework assignment. Homework assignment, I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and read the entire chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want you to read the entire uh, chapter. Um, and I'll say this last thing. You don't have to go there, but I'll read verse 9. 2 and 9 says, but as it is written... I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love them. For years as a little boy growing up in a Christian environment, I heard that and it stayed right there. It didn't go any further. Ears, eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard, and neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has prepared for them that love them. And they wouldn't go any further. But the next verse says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yeah, even the deep things of God. What does that mean? That means God's got a lot of stuff that he wants to say, and he's going to reveal them to our spirit. Now, our feelings are the voice of our body, so don't try and find God with your body. And your feelings. Feel, he'll use them, and feelings are good. I'm a weeper. I can cry at the drop of a hat. I'm very emotional. But when I come and try and hear the voice of God, I'm going inward first. I'm going to connect with my spirit and my conscience. That's how I keep from doing the wrong thing. My conscience is my guide. Makes you wonder, that little guy from Disney, Jiminy Cricket, <laughs> he sang a song. Some of y'all are too young. Anyway. Um, he says, let your conscience be your guide. But sometimes our conscience is, like he says, be seared with a hot iron. We can't feel anything. We got to get back to being sensitive in our spirit. When you hurt somebody's feeling, Holy Spirit said, go and apologize. And then you go and apologize. Say, oh, my bad. That, that's not an apology. Apology is, I'm so sorry that I said what I said to you and hurt your feelings. Will you please forgive me? And I'm going to work really hard at not doing that again because I don't want to hurt you. Now you've got an apology. And that's whether they forgive you or not. 
If they look like they're going to forgive you, so it's great. But what if they say, yeah, it's about time you came. Hmm. Yeah, I heard that y'all hear the willow, willow, willow. You heard the courtroom stuff. So what do you do with that? I'm responsible for my part, regardless of how people respond to me. See, this is that stuff about growth. It's talking about, you know, bring people to Jesus, membership in his family, develop them to Christ-like maturity. This is the maturity stuff. This is how you grow up spiritually. And your conscience, you want to be so sensitive when the Holy Spirit tells you things. And that's everything. You know, if you're doing things sexually and you're not married and it's not with your husband or wife. Man, y'all talking about sex. Yeah, we talking about sex. And we need to talk about sex in the church and not in some of these other areas. Because sex is a good thing. You just have to have a license. You do. And that's not shame for those of you that don't have a license or anything. It just says that you're, you don't have to go through some of the things that married people have to go to because they're active all the time. So the enemy is always dangling things. That's why Paul said, like, dude, I'm not even going down that street. But whether you're married or unmarried, you want to make sure that your conscience is sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he says, don't touch that, don't look at that, don't go in that direction, cancel that subscription. Okay? So this is how we live by the Holy Spirit. But it's not for us to do by ourselves. He doesn't say, now go and obey me. No. He says he's going to be with you. He's going to walk with you. He's my comfort. He's my guide. Uh, one translation is a Greek word. It's called paraclete. It's someone that comes alongside to help you. So even when he's trying to get you to respond with your conscience to do things that honor the Lord, he's not leaving you all by yourself. He's helping you. That's why I say all the time, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, please help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And then when he is trying to tell me, I'm not, I'm not ignoring him. I'm not grieving him. I'm not putting his fire out. I'm not, you know, pop. That means I have turned it to make Holy Spirit come up because I need him to do something. But whenever he pops up on his own, I'm not pushing him back down. Say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear this right now. Oh, no, 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 no. So you want to let him in all the time. Put your hand on your chest. Say these words, Holy Spirit. I really appreciate you. Thank you for choosing to be here with me. You could be hanging out in heaven, but you choose to be here with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Forgive me for not listening to you. I want to be more sensitive. So I ask you to help me even in that. I love you, Father God. I love you, Jesus, my King. And I love you, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Every part of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right? So let's, let's do that all the time. Talk to him all the time. All the time. Uh, why don't you guys stand up? I want you guys stand up. I'm really glad that everybody came out today. I want you to grab your communion cup. If you got, do you have a communion cup? No? Not everybody has one? Raise your hand if you need one. Okay. All right. You can bring them down. You can bring them down.
Now I will tell you, we're not, we're not taking communion. So don't open the communion cup up. We're not taking communion. What I want you to do, I want in an effort to take Jesus to your house, I want you to take this week, and we rotate all the time, I want you to go home and take communion. And when you do it this time, I want you to dedicate your house fresh to the Lord. Okay? And if you say, well, Pastor, I don't have a house, then dedicate your apartment. Well, Pastor, I live in a room. Dedicate your room. Dedicate where you live to the Lord and do it remembering his body and his blood. Hold your hand up high. Say these words. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be so gracious unto you. And may he give you uncommon, undisturbed peace.